Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach And within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I am so excited to have Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts on with me today. Dr. Chelsea has a doctorate, but it's almost like she has a PhD in life. She not only has this background that's rich in teaching, but also in meditation and yoga, and she fuses all these together with some wonderful programs. We talk about her own journey into yoga and how it helped her, and then how she ended up being on the Peloton amazing platform, and also creating a wonderful yoga literature and art camp at Spelman College, where she synthesizes all of her work bringing yoga with teens, and making connections between literacy development, storytelling, and yoga. Chelsea is currently pregnant, and it was just amazing and wonderful to see her on the screen today with her very close to being born baby um, and just the magnetic presence that she has. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Chelsea. Welcome, Chelsea. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) First of all, you're expecting, and I'd love to know, when are you expecting your baby boy? Yeah, well, it's very soon. I just hit my third trimester. Um, So we're here. Uh (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is such an exciting time. It it kind of becomes surreal. Like at the beginning, because this is your first pregnancy 
Um, and so how has it been for you, like as this first time around experiencing these changes and nine months seems like a long stretch and then all of a sudden, boom, it's there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just full disclosure, because I've talked about this a little bit. This is my second pregnancy where I've made it this far. Um, my husband and I actually experienced loss at the end of last year. Um, very early on in the pregnancy. However, to make it to the third trimester, to be able to see the ultrasounds, to be able to even see the 3D imaging of his little face, is just like a dream come true. And really it is, I say I prepared for this through my yoga practice. It's almost like everything that I've ever learned through the yoga sutras, through my asana practice, all of that has met me right now when it comes to practicing patience, when it comes to practicing being easy on myself, being attentive and mothering myself through this process. Um, it has been a tremendous yoga practice for me. <laughs> oh, I believe that. I believe that. And I'm so sorry that you had to endure that early loss. Um, and what a gift now to yes. experience this. And I think that one of the big yoga sutra ideas of non-attachment um, really goes into a birthing plan. Mm -hmm. Do you have a birthing plan and do you have kind of this idea? Because I think I remember um, when I was pregnant, there was a lot of talk of birthing plan. It was like, I want this, I don't want this. And it was, it was probably more structured than it is now. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, I just want a baby. I want a healthy baby. You know, I'm just going to kind of do my best and, and, and participate and, hope, you know, I can have an idea of the baby of mm -hmm. how I want to deliver. Do you find that you are already preparing in that manner that you just want a healthy baby and in whatever form, in, a, in whatever birthing plan it happens? Absolutely. And I would say the most um, essential part of the plan has been the partnership that I experience with my husband, Shane, right now. So we've been married for seven years. We have been partners, not just um, in a loving relationship, but also in our professional relationship. And so we made a deliberate plan to, you know, take our time to really decide where I was going in this journey of being this yoga teacher who has this far um, net that is cast to reach so many people. And so I know that this partnership is the most essential part of that birthing plan. And then of course, you know, I love that. It's so true, <laughs> but it, what an, what an important point to bring up, you know? Yeah. 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 The village that um, has been supporting us from my yoga teachers who taught me my first yoga practice to the team of doctors with whom we're working to my prenatal yoga teacher. I just went through a prenatal yoga training. And so all of these different people, friends, mothers, parents who are able to share their experiences and who are also yogis, I think that that's the most um, instrumental part where you have this perspective of parenting through the lens of yoga. And so that anything else, I'm just like, again, this is what my yoga practice has been for to prepare for what the unexpected. I love that, Chelsea. So can you um, walk us back for those who might not know, like how did you first discover yoga? How are you introduced to it? Um, and what was your, what was your background that even led you? I think that all of us have some kind of inquiry or curiosity that is 
that sparks that interest in going down the path of yoga, unless it's completely just um, an accident, a lovely accident. But what was your story with that? Yeah, so when I was in college, actually, I remember I, I was, I love to tell the story that I was a park ranger at Carlsbad Caverns. And oh, cool. I remember it was during a time where social media was not huge. Um, it was during a time where you didn't have as much access. I remember maybe a, a DVD or a VHS even in this little workout room that we had. And I had this book by Rodney Yee. And I just started to like flip through the pages and I saw him doing these beautiful postures and I just tried to like emulate him. And so my understanding of yoga was from a completely physical understanding. And then fast forward to when I graduated from college, after I finished the program, I graduated from Spelman College and went to graduate school at Teachers College Columbia. And I walked into my first yoga class. I chose the probably the toughest class to go to a hot yoga class. I always love to share I fainted in that class oh, and no. I came back. <laughs> and so again, it was just this understanding of like, oh, this is a workout. I'm going to sweat. I'm going to burn calories. I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to be shiny and glowy like all these other people who I see practice yoga. And then fast forward to my early adulthood, I actually tragically lost one of my best friends. She was my college roommate to gun violence. And I remembered the feeling that I would get when I was in a yoga class before I understood like the depth that it could take me to. And I just remembered this feeling of, of feeling connected. And it was during a time where I felt so fragmented and disconnected because I experienced this trauma I had never gone through before. And so that's when I found my teacher and that's when I started to dive deeper into meditation. And so I always tell people to celebrate whatever your journey, whatever your story is, never to be ashamed of it. That's why I love to tell people I was a hot yoga girl who, you know, fainted. And I don't think that there's anything to be ashamed of in that. I think that often too, too many times there's this hierarchy of what yoga is and you know not everybody has access to the the sutras of Pantanjali or you know all of these texts these sacred texts that are beautiful but I always love as the even as a teacher to meet people exactly where they are and so I celebrate my journey for how I started practicing yoga. <laughs> oh I love that and I I can feel the warmth and just absolute invitation in your your joy that you're just radiating. Um, now do you still have do you, do you blend now your two kind of practices to me like yoga is yoga and there's different ways we express it and different ways we practice it. And sometimes it's more still and sometimes it's movement, but still all of it, like you said, is, is allowing us to go into this deeper well of ourselves. And I think especially in grief, having also gone through a tremendous grief, like I know that my yoga practice is what guided me through mm -hmm. it and was allowed me to really feel it in a deep way that um, I think is one of the greater forms of healing is having, I don't wanna say the luxury, the ability, but sometimes for some people it is the luxury to actually really feel that so deeply so that you can move through it. Mm -hmm. You have that practice now that is just 
very much tailored or very much like, what do I need today? Absolutely. On a personal level, it's what do I need today? One day, it may be yoga nidra. The other day, it may be moving through a vinyasa flow over and over again. But the great thing about yoga is that it's a framework and it teaches us to listen to and be attuned to what our body needs. And so that's what I, my intention is every time I articulate the practice of yoga to my students. I also meet students in very unique ways when it comes to music. As you, um, we talked about a little bit that I'm on the Peloton platform that's very heavily based um, in music. And so one day you may get rock yoga from me. Another day you may get gospel yoga, but my primary reason for that is to meet people where they are. And a lot of times if you feel alienated because of the how I felt, like I'm like, I don't think my body can do that. I don't know, I don't look like those people. But if I hear something that resonates with my background, with my experiences, something that resonates on a level that makes me feel grounded, for me, that is music. And so I love to use music as an invitation to welcome people to the yoga mat. I love that. I always say in my my alternative life, I would be a DJ. I Because I am <laughs> the same way. And I think it's because throughout humanity, we have gathered in community around, you know, some source. And it's always it always encompasses music. Yeah. Because music is is like heartstrings to our our soul, you know, and um, I, I'm the same way. I love, I love mixing it up and using different things to, and sometimes people won't recognize it, but they love it anyway. And sometimes, mm -hmm. like you said, it's an invitation for people who otherwise might not feel like this is my, my, you know, kind of practice, mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, I, that, that makes me feel more at home. How did you journey from where you started your meditation practice and other forms outside of the hot yoga to where you are today? Yeah, so I am, you know, a trained teacher. <laughs> My mom, you know, taught, retired from teaching public school after 35 years, and I followed in her footsteps. I was a child development major. I went into international education, went to educational studies for my PhD. So I'm definitely a teacher at heart. And it was during my experience as a public school teacher with my third graders, actually, that I did my teacher certification. So to have these two experiences happening simultaneously, where if you have any teachers out there who are in the public school system, especially, you know the demand, you know the being extended in so many different directions. And I was looking for a place of solace after I would leave the classroom. And so when I started to integrate the things that I was learning in my yoga class into the classroom, well, these eight, nine-year-olds were, they were hungry for it. They wanted more. They wanted to know what it was that made Miss Jackson feel happy when she came in every morning. And so I started, the wheel started turning and I started to integrate, you know, um, yoga and how I even taught in the classroom. And that's what led me to really, you know, starting yoga literature and art camp for teen girls at Spelman College initially. And we are, you know, that started as my dissertation. And so I always like to, to credit my foundation of being a teacher first. And it looks different now because I'm on a platform that's much different than the classroom. 
but I'm still being a teacher. And so I'm always going to remind myself of those beginnings, especially when I'm meeting folks who are doing yoga for the first time. If I can teach an eight and nine-year-old how to do multiplication by integrating yoga or science lessons, then I feel like adults, we still have that within us. And so oftentimes my adult students appreciate that I come from a, a level of like, this is a third grade class. And so I bring that part of me into my teaching as well. I love that. And I think, I mean, Chelsea, we have to like put forth a movement to get, you know, yoga and forms of movement and embodied movement into school systems. Uh, I've worked on this with my kids and their, their schools when they were younger, because um, not only is it important to understand this vehicle that is moving us through life. And most people don't really know about their body, you know, and that's from a physical therapist, that's really where I come in and I'm educating about, probably I try and get into a third grade level because I don't want to make it complicated. It doesn't right. have to be. Like, it's just understanding the importance of posture and movement mechanics. But I think, wow, if if we actually infuse this learning in our school system, like how to regulate your nervous system, how, you know, how to move your body, why you should move your body because of how that it will impact your um, mental and physical and emotional health. I think that um, we would see a, like a, a real shift in the way education is done and how kids actually might enjoy school and might enjoy learning even more. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And for the teachers too, like we have oh, to, yes. you know, oh, we yes. have to be able to, oftentimes I remember when I was a school teacher, my, um, some of the parents would say, how do I get my child to practice yoga every day? And I'm like, well, do you practice yoga every day? Because as you know, as a parent, they are little sponges who are watching us to learn about life. And so I think the more that we as adults lead by example and being kinder to ourselves, even in the self-talk that we have towards ourselves, towards each other in relationships, I think that that's when it will really start to set in for our youth as well. <laughs> I'm sure you love them all, but do you have any of the um, older text or teachings like the sutras, for example, that um, any specific ones that really are like the most important in terms of a pillar for you, like this is fundamentally how I want to live. They're all amazing. What always is fascinating to me is even though these are thousands of years ago, mm -hmm. Patanjali wrote these, they really show the, um, the continuity of the human experience, even though our environment is so vastly different today mm -hmm. you have one that that really um helps you in your life yeah i mean i really love the the piece where Pantanjali simply says the yoga begins now mm -hmm. like i think that that is like it that's the essence of it all it's just like you know, you do all the things, at least for myself. I'm like, I got my yoga mat. I got my, you know, water bottle. I got my towel. I got all of this. And I think that there's this preparation to get to this finale of saying, okay, now we start yoga. No, the yoga starts in making an intention to say, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time to myself. I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm going to be present with my breath. So I've always loved the, the yoga begins now and pretty much anything that happens in life, 
I'm sure as soon as I'm giving birth, it's going to be the yoga begins now, you know? (laughs) And, and I will say, um, I will would love to revisit and have a conversation with you in a number of years, but parenting is to me, like, you don't have to be a parent to act, to fulfill the, the teachings of yoga or practice them, but they are really summoned as a parent because you have this child and we all of our all of our histories are with us and you know you see the parents um unknowingly place upon their child certain expectations or whatever mm-hmm. actually have a child and have just uh joy and openness and and this is an individual who may or may not have any similar to me similar to me or um, anything is is actually I found it really refreshing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you do see that that is um, a struggle sometimes, and just that's where I think my own yoga practice and teachings has really showed mm-hmm. up the most. And the kids are such young teachers too. Like you know, yeah. they're going to be they they teach us. They absolutely, teach, yeah, patience and listening and all that stuff. Yeah. So, what is your plan after? the baby comes out, baby boy. Um, are you going to continue with your teaching? Are you taking some time off? And I'd love to know like what your vision is down the, down the road for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Again, the yoga begins now. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. this is going to be- I, That's the hardest gonna... question for me. I'm like, <laughs> I am so present. I can't, I can't even plan out. Like, yeah, this will be the never ending yoga asana practice and meditation. Yeah. And so, you know, the most important thing for me as a parent um, who's stepping into parenthood and, you know, people often say uh, mommy to be or parent to be. I'm like the moment that I found out that there's this living being inside of me, I'm like, I'm parenting. I have to like be very conscious of, you know, how much rest I'm getting like how I'm parenting myself through all of this. And so, you know, I plan to continue to love myself fiercely, you know, like in order to to go back to what I mentioned about, you know, he's going to be watching. He's going to watch how I treat myself even as a woman, as a self-identified woman as my husband is we're very different. That was one of the reasons why I chose to partner with him because I saw parts of shame that I knew I, you know, um, longed for my own personality and my own way of understanding the world. And so, you know, the root of that detachment that we just spoke about to me is unconditional love. Mm. And so my plan is to continue to do exactly what I've been doing, if not more in in an expansive way to demonstrate that I want my son to know that this world is for him to explore, especially in a society. I'm having a young black male in a society that may tell him otherwise. And so to have Shane and myself to be chosen as his parents is the biggest and best job I could ever hope for. So I want to continue. I want to write about this experience. I want to, you know, continue my yoga practice looking forward to the nuanced ways that I show up as a yoga teacher and meditation teacher because my life will have been changed. And so I plan to keep on going. I can't, oh, I love I can't, that. <laughs> to but not I cannot, I cannot like, <laughs> echo enough um, 
how important it is that you said like loving yourself and taking care of yourself because you are not going to have this, but you're going to be such a model for this. And that is that women still in this in 2022, women still, we have so, um, it's so much in our wiring to nurture and to take care of others. And, and, and some people in that have taken, you know, put themselves on literally bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. That's never been my issue. <laughs> and I think some of it is I was raised with three brothers. I was very much part of that um, mentality that I could be whatever I wanted to be. And um, it wasn't like I had to get married and find a man. It, that Those words were never, ever echoed in my house. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But that is still very much in our culture, even if it had a very like a subliminal message. So to be the model of like, you have to be better for everyone else. You have to take care of yourself first. And mm -hmm. that is selfish. It's, it's, it's that unconditional love you speak of. Yeah. And you're able to really, truly um, extend that love out without any resentment or whatever that people start to feel even when right. they just give, 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 and they don't take care of themselves as mothers in particular. I, right. I'm sure there are dads out there that happens too, but I don't, we don't hear about it too often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you have any kind of modeling like that um, as a young, as a young girl in terms of like, take care of yourself, you know, that feeling of empowerment um, absolutely. I often talk about my granny, um, who is turning 97 or no, she is 97. Her next birthday, she will be 98. And this is a woman who I've seen from, you know, all of my life be someone who was quite independent. And at the same time, I also learned how to um, remind myself that I don't have to do it all by myself. Because even when I go home to visit granny and I'm like, let me do this for you. And she's just not used to that because she has been so independent. So I think that I've definitely learned a balance in how to be the both and that I often speak about in my yoga classes so that I don't get to the point where I am you know, overwhelmed because I've got to show that I can do it all and I'm independent, that's great. But on the other hand, I can also ask and accept help and support when needed. But I always, I always love to to lift up Granny. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think it. I think having you don't need a lot, but if you have one really solid person in your life, especially as a young person who has modeled that that pillar of strength, it is you. Yeah, you you don't forget them. They they are you carry them with you, and that sounds right. like. I needed that. She must be so excited to be getting a, a great grandson. Absolutely. Oh it will be her first and only great. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. she had two children. And so this will be my parents' first grandchild. Um, so we are all very excited. <laughs> Everybody's going to like almost self-implode in the hospital. <laughs> um, let's just talk about Peloton for a moment. I would love to know, like, what has been one of the most surprising, um, delightful things that you've discovered at being on the Peloton? This is a, you know, um, a mega successful online, um, originally only cycling, and then they brought in all these other elements. Um, what has it been like to be on this platform and offer yoga on it? 
Yeah, so I started Peloton at a very unique time. Um, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. It was at the beginning of, you know, the world seeing the murder of George Floyd. It was at a very um, transitional time in the world. And so I knew that I was going to be at Peloton before this even happened. So it was just like I was already, you know, knowing that this was my path right now because of their reach. But to have started during a time that was as uniquely ordered as such and to have the unique skill set that I've had with my education, with my lived experiences, all of those who have been met with this moment. Um, I actually do a, a, a program, a series, um, a breathe in series with my colleague, breathe in speak up is the full series, but the breathe in portion is the yoga and the meditation. And I integrate, you know, issues surrounding social justice, ways in which we can connect as a community, especially when we're coming from different backgrounds. And so I actually did that first meditation before my official premiere class and talk about the yoga begins now to go back to the sutras. It was just like, it wasn't a moment of saying, should I do this? Should I not do this? It was a moment of Chelsea, you have prepared your entire life for this moment. And so I would say, while it wasn't something that I was happy that had to happen, certainly not, but I was um, very much encouraged that all the decisions that I've made up until this point prepared me to be able to deliver a meditation at a time that was as, as tough as it was during the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd. Wow, that just brought the chills. And I, cause I was just thinking, yeah, I was thinking how 2020 was such a horrific year in so many ways. Yeah. And to be a black woman in a in a yoga is already you're in, you're you know you're so underrepresented, mm -hmm. and then to have I don't want to say to have to like to be presented with the opportunity to speak from that experience, um, not of necessarily well you also had the gun violence experience I mean you really you had it all and but with the fact that you just said, yeah, you've been prepared for this your whole life. That's, a, that's very courageous because that's a, that's a very challenging position to be put in because you have to, like, it's like showing up and having a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of, um, I, I'm just sure it must've been not, not that you had trepidation, but I, I, I imagine like the courage that, that, that took a lot of courage, but you're right. You had yeah. prepared for it. Yeah, it you know, again, it's it's the yoga practice, I know for sure. I think about, you know, the first time that I imagine your listeners have ever entered a yoga class or stepped onto their mat. I remember the first time I attempted to do a headstand and I was deep down inside terrified. I'm like, am I going to break my neck? Am I going to, like, is something awful going to happen? But after practice, after listening, after falling a couple of times, there was just this moment. And I imagine that many of um, the yogis out there can, can relate to this moment of just like the breath just coming through you and you just feel this grounding. And so while on the one hand, I still get nervous to speak, that's been one of my hardest things to publicly speak. On the other and hand- You would know, you're so eloquent <laughs> and you're right with your background and your eloquence and your infectious, just 
smile and <laughs> open heart. Um, but it's good. It's good for people to realize that. Like, yeah, yeah. you care. You know, you care yeah. how you also you know, speak and how you present yourself that that's, yeah, that's why we get so nervous. There was a knowing they came over me that allowed the breath to move through and to get me really anchored and grounded in that moment. Yeah. Well, that's bravery because there must've been such emotional exhaustion that also, oh, absolutely. you know, just like, still. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, right. Um, and to have these tools, um, and I just hope you can share them with so many people in so many different diverse populations who um, have like, yes, have that burden of exhaustion and fatigue and um, hopelessness, you know? And I think that's where, when we realize like the tools can come from within, it doesn't mean that the rest of the world issues are gonna go away, but I feel like that it is it is like handing somebody some, some major power that they yeah. need. Yeah, oh, I love that. Well, where can everyone check out more about you besides Peloton? And by the way, can you explain how Peloton does offer these classes, even if you don't have a bike? Yeah, I think that's a great point to make. Thank you for making that. That's yeah. a misconception out there. Um, it's really uh, quite accessible. So you can practice yoga and meditation with me and a team of other yogis. Um, we also offer strength. We also offer, you know, other things that you don't need the hardware. Um, while that's great, I think that is one of the reasons why I even came to Peloton was because accessibility was key for me. And so, um, you know, there's a trial period if you ever want to check it out. And um, outside of Peloton, I live at Chelsea Loves Yoga. That has been my tag name since, you know, about 2011 when I started my blog. Because what you mentioned, um, I'm quite an anomaly. At least I was. The great thing is that it's changing and growing, but we still have work to do. And so Chelsea Loves Yoga is a space that um, initially started for me to interview other yogis who didn't typically get elevated in our communities of yoga. And then also I mentioned Yoga Literature and Art Camp, and you can find out more about our organization um, at redclayyoga.org. Oh, I love all that. Well, I, I really... Um, I'm just so impressed with all that you're doing in the world through using your gift of, you know, not only your PhD in teaching, but your PhD in life. Like you're really, <laughs> you, you have that doctorate in, in life skills and, and what's important and all the things that you've talked about. Um, you're just going to be an outstanding parent. And I love how you said, you know, Pay attention to the partner first. It's really true. It's really yeah, true. We're doing, we're in this together. That's the plan. That's how yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, best of luck. You don't need it, but um, all the joy and love for your um, baby boy coming out. Oh my gosh. Very soon. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, enjoy these, this last, you know, everybody's going to tell you different things, but you know, take care of yourself. I just remember my first was born in late July and I just would get in the pool and I was like, this is the thing that made me feel so good in the heat of the summer. So if you can get in some water. Yes. That we just got out of the water just recently oh, so in the ocean. I was uh, floating on my back. And so I uh, said, double water experience for him. So yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you really feel like you're communing with your baby. Yes. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. You're so inspirational. And um, for everybody out there listening, check out Chelsea Loves Yoga. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you. And as always, for my listeners, I'm pulling for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.